those mm. people thought it would be fine if the government came to take their children away. And my family, take me away from my family. They thought it would be fine if my parents got fired from their jobs, mm. right? They thought those things yeah. were okay. So it was a very eye-opening experience for me. Welcome to The Coffee Shop AU. I'm your host, Jay. I'm trans, non-binary, neurodivergent, and currently living in Seoul, Korea. I believe that queer folks like me deserve more safe spaces to tell our stories our own way. To help me do that, my friend Sherry is joining us today to share with us her story. Hi, Sherry. Hi, how's it going, Jay? Pretty good. I have my oat milk latte in front of me, so all is well. What about you? What are you drinking? I also have a, I think if I were to get it in a coffee shop, they would call it a flat white coffee. But basically it's, you know, mm. just regular coffee with milk. Okay. I thought flat white had like foamed milk in it or something. Something fancy. It's probably something like steamed milk to make it nicer, but... That's what I mean. Yeah, I think so. Mine is, you know, it comes from home, so it's plain. Your home coffees are pretty good, though. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Where are you joining us from today? I, too, am in Seoul. Actually, let me go ahead and introduce myself. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good, all yeah. All right. As Jay said, I am Sherry. I am an American living in Seoul. My pronouns are she, her. Just for context, since you all can't see me, I am white. And I am middle-aged. <laughs> is there a reason that you are using that descriptor middle-aged oh you know i suddenly realized i'm middle-aged and what caused me to realize i am middle-aged is that i am entering perimenopause oh i know the thing that is most surprising by that is sudden hot flashes mm. so for example the other day i was on the subway it was very cold outside, and all of these people are on this subway car in their giant puffer jackets and their hats on, and I have taken all of my outerwear off, and I would have taken off my very light sweater vest. I just didn't have the space, but I'm sweating. I'm pretty sure people thought mm. that I was ill, except for other women also going through perimenopause right now. And I'm sure they all looked at me and went, oh, I feel you. Yeah, people who have already gone through it, they're like, I know what's happening. Yeah, all those people, they knew what was happening. I actually do remember you mentioning it the last time we met. Um, we had tacos. Yeah. And you were saying that you make this joke. Your partner says to you, Oh, honey, you're so hot. And you just go. It's the perimenopause. <laughs> yeah. It's Thanks. the hot flashes. It's the perimenopause. Yes. So, right, you are middle-aged. What is that like? Aside from the, the hot flashes and all the lovely stuff, does that make you feel a certain way? No, actually, I feel fine, to be honest with you. I don't really mind aging. Mm -hmm. I minded not feeling well. Uh, but that didn't really yeah. have anything to do with my age. It had a lot more to do with fibromyalgia and migraine. And so, right. you know, I have chronic migraine. And so having literally a really killer headache every day really takes it out of you. Mm -hmm. But I'm on another medication now that yeah. mostly stops the migraines. And that has just 
changed my whole perspective on life. <laughs> I feel so much better. So to be honest, mm. the aging part just doesn't bother me that much. I like getting a little bit older. It's okay. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like I know more. I have more experience. I, I, I have gotten to the point in my life now where I'm just like, ah, whatever. It's all good. <laughs> so I mm -hmm. like that. Well, great. I have that to look forward to. <laughs> that message of hope, young people, it gets better. It gets so much better. It really it's does. It's true. I do love being in my 30s. I'm in my 30s. You know, I'm still figuring my stuff out, but I do feel much better than when I was in my 20s, I will say. <gasps> Absolutely. Whenever I hear young people say things like, oh, I wish I could go back to this particular time and it's anywhere in their 20s, I'm like, no way. That is like... A terrible decade. The 30s really is great. You feel young and energetic. Your body's still really strong and doesn't typically mm -hmm. hurt all the time. And people take you seriously. You're old enough, wise enough that people are That's like... That's true. That's yeah. a big difference. Yeah, I feel like people are starting to take me more seriously just because I look older. I might still <laughs> not know what the hell I'm doing, but uh, they, they are just willing to take me on my word. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Magical. Aging's great. <laughs> I can't wait until I'm like 70 and people just bow down. I know. I, I feel that <laughs> same way too. I'm like, every decade, I'm like, yes, I'm getting up there. <laughs> just for those listening who maybe don't know what fibromyalgia is, could you hmm. quickly explain what that is and how it's improved recently, right? Yeah, yeah, it really has improved a lot for me. So, Fibromyalgia is actually a very complicated syndrome to try to describe because it has mm -hmm. so many manifestations. For me, it mostly shows up in muscle and joint pain. And so throughout my body, my muscles will turn very, very hard in spots. And it will almost feel like I have cramps, mm -hmm. uh, like muscle cramping. Uh, I have joint issues that will suddenly hurt. As I put a foot on the ground, my foot will give out, usually because of this incredible sudden pain. What's the other one? I have a lot of... Well, oh, fatigue is very common. Like, mm -hmm. not just, oh, I feel tired today, but, oh, I don't know if I can continue eating this meal because I am just so exhausted. I can't possibly chew another bite. Mm. And... I have a lot of nerve pain, so I get this burning, shooting pain, especially in my arms, and that's that's not my favorite. <laughs> that one probably keeps yeah. me up more. If I'm sleeping, suddenly I'll feel like my arms are on fire, and that makes it a little tough to sleep. Yeah, so it really shows itself in a lot of different ways, but that's my extra special, unique way. But I feel a lot better now, mostly because I am moving again. I am exercising quite a lot. And one thing with fibromyalgia is you start feeling so badly. You get all of this pain and it is very challenging to convince your brain that you need to move through it. Mm -hmm. And so rather than doing that, you sit still, you lay down, you start not moving. And the more you do that, the weaker you get and the weaker your muscles get, the more yeah. the symptoms uh, increase. So I wish if somebody had told me in the very beginning when I first got diagnosed, which was quite a bit later, it took decades to get a diagnosis. I wish somebody had told me the most important thing to do is not stop moving. And mm. 
but I think that would have made my little journey a little bit better. But I figured out in the end, and now I am moving and exercising, so works better. Yeah, it's been like really cool to see you. Like, first of all, I didn't know it could get that bad. Mm. It's not necessarily something you talk about with your friends on a day-to-day basis. Mm. And then I saw that you started to work out and you changed pretty dramatically, I feel like, on many different levels. Yeah, I feel like it too. Yeah, appearance-wise and also just like we've all been sort of struck by the fact (laughs) that you just, your body hurts less and, you know, all of that. And so I was like pretty inspired just because, like you said, you're middle aged. And what does that even mean? You know, if you put the work in, change your body, things improve. Things improve. It's so shocking. Who knew that effort would end up with a positive result? (laughs) So you actually never finished telling us where you are. You're in Seoul. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in Seoul. Do I need anything more specific than that? Basically, I just like to ask my guests to paint a picture for whoever is listening uh, where you are physically oh, okay. in my home. There is a cat. There is a cat nearby. who will not stop crying. And I think the only way to make her stop crying is to let her in. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry. We, I was trying to avoid this, but here we go. Welcome, kitty. Yay. Yay. Casey, Casey. Casey. Oh, yeah, here she is. So where am I now? All right. So I am in Seoul in my apartment. Mm -hmm. I'm in my office. Although when I say office, I mean the room that holds my computer because it also holds clothes and, you know, other stuff. It's not the world's biggest apartment. So my rooms are Mm multi-purpose. I know exactly what it looks like. I and many, many friends in our community, in our little social group, we've all slept over at your place (laughs) multiple times. The office that you're in now is where the blankets are stored. I was just going to explain that. I was like, ooh, the blankets are in here too. Yes. Sometimes the pillows too. Sometimes the pillows. And that's where also the cats go in and out of the cat food, the toilet as well. Yeah, there's a litter box in here as well. Like I said, a a multi-purpose room. Although Casey, the cat here, is not in here to eat. She's just in here because I am on a Zoom call Mm. and she believes it is her one job to be with me on Zoom calls. I appreciate the support, Casey. Yeah, what was it you said about her? Her true vocation is to have an OnlyFans page? Yes, that's exactly (laughs) right. And she believes that her best time to practice is when I'm on a Zoom call. So she's like, hey, everybody, look at my butthole. Uh, So I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. you'll probably get an eyeful today. That's okay. okay. Like, it's a nice butthole. You know, really, it is. If I had to rate all my pets' buttholes, she's definitely number one up on the list. So I appreciate that. And points for attitude as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to have a certain level of confidence, and she's got it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) we could literally spend this entire interview just talking about your animals. (laughs) Yes. But let's save that for another episode. Okay, yeah. We'll circle around for another episode later. Yeah. Mm. So now you are in Korea, and you're... What is it that you do? You're like, why are you here? Uh, Why are you here? (laughs) Why are you here? You American? (laughs) Yeah, American. I know. Right now, I'm currently a professor. I've actually been a professor in Korea for uh, quite a long time now. Uh, When I first Mm -hmm. came 
to Korea, I didn't actually plan on staying very long. So I just got mm. kind of a standard run-of-the-mill teaching English job. And then when I decided that I should stay, then mm. I decided I should also move up in job uh, into something that mm. I would be happier doing. Right. And I really do enjoy teaching young adults. I like adults mm -hmm. and I especially like young adults. So I decided that the university level would be better for me. Yeah. So I've been doing that for a very long time now here in Korea. I think I moved into the university system in 2007. Mm -hmm. That's a... Uh... A while ago. It is a while ago. I have had a full career just in Korea, not even talking about what I did prior to Korea. Mm -hmm. Don't worry, we'll get to that. We will get there. This is all about you. Yes, this is my joy, all about me. Um, anyways. <laughs> Uh, not only do I teach, uh, which of course most foreigners, if they teach, they teach English. And of course I do teach mm -hmm. English, but I also teach leadership and sexuality. So mm -hmm. uh, that's also the courses that I work on now. What an interesting combination. I know, isn't it? That's also mm -hmm. the joy of teaching at university. Depending on your school, you can develop courses that fit more in your area of study rather than just here, teach this textbook about English, which gets a little bit boring. <laughs> it's much better to teach about mm. the things that you care about. Yeah, I remember when you were first coming up with the uh, sexuality course, you spent quite a long time coming up with the oh. curriculum. And it was just kind of really interesting to see you design the entire course from like start to finish. Mm. And again, it is an interesting combination. Leadership, sexuality, but there's a whole thing behind that too. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna get into that too. Yay! Yeah, you're just a gift package of <laughs> curiosities. There we go. I've got a little bit of everything in there. We also have a, we is my wife and I, we also have a sex right. toy because store. Because you're a lesbian. Because I am a lesbian. Oh, I forgot that part of my identity. We forgot to say that. Oh man. Yeah, you're gay. I forgot it because I don't I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I kind of did. Once upon a time, you know, when I was younger, it was mm. you know, it was more in the front of my brain. And now it's just kind of shifted mm. to the back. I just yeah. don't think about it quite you're as like, much. I have a wife. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You're like, score! I'm, I'm done now. Uh, no, I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. I'm totally teasing. That's terrible. I won. <laughs> <laughs> Lesbian, check. All right. So, but we yes. have this um, a sex toy store that we run in Seoul. Mm -hmm. To be fair, I haven't been doing that so much <laughs> recently. That mostly falls on my wife. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness for her. I've been busy working on some of my university projects and the store has been moving around. But yeah. my wife mostly carries that. So, yeah, that's mostly what I'm doing these days. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. When I sent you the uh, question sheet mm -hmm. for this interview, mm -hmm. I like to do what I call boundary check to see what you're comfortable talking about, what you're not comfortable talking about. Are there any things that I didn't think of that you would like to discuss? And in our pre-interview, you said, I don't have problems answering any of these questions except the one where you asked me, do you remember our first meeting? I actually can't <laughs> recall. <laughs> so yeah. uh, why was that, Sherry? Honestly, I, yeah, you're right. Do you remember? our first meeting and I was like 
no, Jay, haven't you just always been in my life? Like, I just could not remember a time when you just weren't there. So I really actually had to wreck my brain. It does feel like that. Um, so I was like, Jay has always been there. So when could this possibly not have been true? <laughs> Let me roll back in time. And I yeah. did get to the first meeting. I did get there. Finally. Mm -hmm. So our first meeting was actually at the opening party mm -hmm. for our shop. Mm -hmm. The sex toy store. Yeah, the sex toy store. So again, I'm not exactly sure how you ended up at this party. That's another story you'll have to tell us. But you were there uh -huh. in this audience. And that particular evening, we were doing a lot of things. But the first time I remember you, I was standing up on a stair so that I could kind of see into the crowd. You were on the opposite side of me. So there was like a display in the middle. You're about as far away from me as you could get in that store. And I was asking, you know, trivia questions related to sex yeah. and, and sex toys and such. And you answered one of the questions. Actually, I even think I know which one it is now. And uh, you answered the question and you got like our big prize of the evening. Yeah. yeah. It was like the most expensive thing you could have won. Yes. And uh, <laughs> it totally changed my life. <laughs> Yay! It was like the most expensive thing in our store, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. We had a Swarovski crystal button. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, like, this is luxurious. Okay. Fancy. My first introduction to a proper sex toy. Great. See, there you yeah. go. Do you remember anything else? <sighs> well, like I said, <laughs> I think I remember the question. Uh, which one do you think it was? <laughs> I think it was, what does BDSM stand for? Oh, wasn't okay. that it? I think it was, what are the three ways you can prevent a UTI during sexual intercourse? Mm -hmm. Three ways I think you can prevent an STI, I think. I think it was a sexually transmitted really? infection. Mm. The only reason that I am <laughs> fairly certain it was about UTI instead of STI mm. is because the thing we all had in common was that we sleep with people with vulvas <laughs> and we also have vulvas yeah. and that's I think that's why like it really stuck with me <laughs> but like you could be right familiar with the yeah. parts the BDSM question was probably in there somewhere I'm sure honestly I'm sure we asked all of these questions there was a wide range oh yeah there are a lot of questions a lot of questions yeah. and there are a lot of people a lot of people yeah yeah it was well, and you're addressing the crowd yeah when I was writing that question, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if Sherry doesn't remember because you're really looking at a room full of people. Yes. But I was just looking at you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You're really commanding the audience. <laughs> it's the teacher in me. I know how to command yeah, your eyes. Your natural element. And I can project my voice. It's, yeah. it's a skill. <laughs> you look like you're having fun. It was fun. It was fun. Tons of fun. I do remember you now, but it was kind of a face in the crowd, as you're correct. What I'm not exactly <laughs> sure is how you ended up then coming mm. back into our lives and, yeah. and just being a presence. But I have a feeling that that might have had to do more with Heung, if I had a guess. Yeah, your wife. You know, I would come back from work at the university mm. and I'd come into the shop sometimes and there would just be random people hanging out in there that I had never <laughs> met that she's like having a party with. And so, yeah. you know, she collected a lot of really great Humans. people. Yeah. Uh, that then I benefited from. I was one from. of them. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, that's completely accurate. Okay. So... 
to answer your first question about how I ended up there on that day yeah. of the opening party of your sex toy store mm. was uh, maybe like a couple of weeks before that. I was going through a phase. I had just come back to Korea, and I realized that I had no adult friendships uh. that I had built, you know, since I left Korea when I was pretty young. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I want friends. I want more friends who can hang out with me and, you know, like talk about stuff. And I think I'm queer. So maybe, hopefully, if I go to the Itaewon slash HBC area where the store was at the time. Yeah. That's like queer central. That's what I've been told. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'll stumble upon the gays. At least one, you know? <laughs> so uh, I started going out and hanging out there on the weekends, and I met some really nice people. Mm. So we started kind of meeting up on the weekends. It was summertime, so it was just the perfect weather to drink and smoke and just while the night away. <laughs> and it was on one of those weekends, I was at a bar with one of my new friends, and, you know, he struck up a conversation with somebody who was with Heyoung, mm -hmm. your wife. Mm -hmm. So they were talking and then I was introduced to their group and I don't remember what we talked about, but <laughs> she said that we talked about fan fiction, which <laughs> tracks, you know, um, yeah, about like Korean track. boy bands from the early 2000s. <laughs> and I just remember that she was just so kind and just had the most beautiful energy ever. She really and does. she told me that she was married to a woman. And I was like, oh, okay. And then okay. she said, and also we're opening a sex toy store soon. Um, <laughs> it's right across the street from here. If you ever want to come and hang out, please do. We're having an opening party on this day. We would love for you to come by. Ooh. Just come by. And I was like, okay, I'm a very literal person. Even more so back then. So I didn't think she was just being social. I was mm. like, oh, she gave me an invitation. I'm going to go. So when I showed up that day, that evening, I was so hungover. I had <laughs> been on an all-night morning binge with <laughs> some of my new friends. Yeah. But I was determined to win. You know, I was like, if I can get this toy... You're like, I'm going to get you it. You know, that, that'll be the highlight of... <laughs> That will this have made all of, of my this life. pain worth it. <laughs> um, so that's how I ended up there that night. And then the reason I kept going back was, I don't know if you remember this, but after that opening party ended, during the party, actually, I started chatting to quite a lot of people, yeah. you know, who was already like friends with you. Some of them became part of the group after that day. Mm. And I was like, this is such a great group of people. Yeah. This is great. So we, I stayed <laughs> after the party <laughs> ended. <laughs> <laughs> and we had tteokbokki and sundae, and I think you might have been there Was that on the floor. On the floor, yeah. On the floor <laughs> um, of that. the store, which <laughs> sounds pretty unhygienic, but it was, it fine. was fine. We had like some things like laid out yeah. underneath the food, and nobody minded. It was just such like a warm, familial, mm. communal atmosphere, mm. and I just felt very instantly accepted. For whatever reason. You were. Yeah. Uh, and then Heyoung said, come back whenever you want. You can just come to hang out. And I was like, oh, another invitation. In my head, I'm like, well, she's extended this invitation. I must take her up on it. So, And also, I really liked all of you. So, um, yeah, that's how I ended up going mm. back. Uh, I think I bought some things at the beginning, and then I just started hanging out. And that's how it became part of the fold. Always, like you said, there were always 
just people hanging out at the store. Oh, yeah. And that's how I made a lot of my friends that I have now. Oh, that's so, so cool. Our sex toy store bringing people together. Yes. Yay. In so many ways. Honestly think, you know, I learned so much by being a part of that community that the sex toy store was at the center of. It was really the heart. It was literally a safe space for mm. people in the community to just go to, drop by, say hi, and catch up. Oh, yeah. You let me work there for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, so... yeah. <laughs> let you. I love that. We wanted you to work there. <laughs> And I got to see you, like, grow the business and how you ran the business, how you treated people. And I feel like I learned so much from that. But, you know, that's, again, for another episode because there's just too much that I could talk about from that whole experience. Yeah, we could talk about a lot. Yeah, I hope that answers your question. But literally, mission accomplished. You know, I wanted new friends, preferably people who are in the queer community who also spoke English and Korean the way I do. Mm. And that's exactly what I got. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. Yes. Yeah. Very happy. And since then, we've been friends for so long. Yeah. I was thinking back on this and I was like, is that right? Like, have we been friends for like seven years now? Yeah, it must be six, seven years. That's closer yeah. to a decade. <laughs> In my brain, it's like four five years. I think it's because of the pandemic. Um, mm. It just kind of erased time. <laughs> yeah, that did. But anyway... So yeah. that's how we met. Oh, what a lovely story. <laughs> what a lovely story. Honestly, it is so hard to meet friends as an adult who is no longer in school. True. Like, you mm -hmm. suddenly categorize your friends. Like, do you have any friends? Well, yeah, I have this work friend. Do you see them outside of work? <laughs> no, they're work mm -hmm. friends. And so it's actually very challenging to come into a new environment, like for you, you know, having come back to Korea, and then mm. to find friends, like people that you can really connect with that are the types of people that you really want to be around. Yeah. That's so hard as an adult. That is one of the things that has shocked me a little bit as I am getting older, is that it mm. does become more challenging to find the people that you really, really want to allow into your life. That's very, very accurate. Mm. I struggle a little bit because as a foreigner in Korea, Mm. I have Korean friends, of course, and I have foreign friends. Mm -hmm. And my foreign friends go home, right? A yes. lot of times they leave. Big time. Yeah, right? So sometimes I'm like, I love this person. They're my best friend, been my best friend for eight years. And then they're like, I'm sorry, I'm going to go mm -hmm. home. <laughs> what? I'm happy for you, but I'm so sad for me. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah. it sometimes can be a challenge. You know, that's the issue. People leave. Yeah, people leave. I guess, I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of things, we all leave. <laughs> we all leave. Yeah, <laughs> One exactly. way or another, we all leave. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um... I was going to say something, and I think it was kind of an important point. <laughs> Hopefully it'll come Hopefully back it'll to come me. Back. This is another great thing about aging. Yeah, right. Sometimes things come back, sometimes don't, and, you know, you just learn to let go. Oh, that's actually a fibromyalgia thing, too. They actually have a word for it. It's called fibrofog. Really? Yeah, that was my, I guess, physically, you know, the pain is a problem. But more to a point about who I was as a person, I was most concerned about the fibrofog because I lost the ability to think. In the middle of a sentence, I would lose my words. And I just have to stop speaking really? because those words were gone. They would come back later. But mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. that moment, I couldn't even form words to get out of my mouth. It was it was awful. 
Yeah. Well, I had forgotten wow. about that one. And that made me go, oh my God, do I have dementia? Am I like mm-hmm. having early onset Alzheimer's? What has happened to me? And will I lose my job because I'm suddenly not smart enough to do it? You know, that kind of thing. It was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's better now. Fun, fun, fun brain. Fun, fun. I remembered what I was going to say. <gasps> Good job. What is <laughs> Thank it? you. I was going to say, on the point of just meeting those people that you really, like that term chosen family, mm. I feel like you all are a form of that chosen family for me. Oh, yeah. We've actually been to funerals together, yeah. like multiple funerals. <laughs> um, yeah. you, you came to my grandmother's funeral, and then we went to another yeah. funeral together. If mm-hmm. we go to a wedding together now, it's the full package. We're now, like, permanently linked. I know. And <laughs> yeah. I would like to... We should really try to get into a wedding together, I think, because it's nice to also include the celebratory... <laughs> just get in there. Yeah, we just need just, to get in there. Just sneak, sneak in. Sneak in. We, could, we can be gate crashers. Nobody will notice. Sounds fun. Right? Queer gate crashers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, I do feel like this is sort of a... Family. Mm, me too. So yes, I do mm-hmm. feel that when you meet those people, you cherish them. Mm. Like I cherish this connection. Even if we don't see each other very often, I feel like it's a very core part of my social connection. Oh yeah, me too. But you don't have mm-hmm. to see somebody all the time to know that they're still there for you, right? And that you're there yeah. for them. And that, in my opinion, time and distance don't really matter. Right. Yeah, mm. I agree. Yeah, especially because I have uh, so many friends abroad that I've met here mm. or vice versa. So it's it's kind of like the older you get, the more you understand that time and space is just kind of really very relative. It really it's is. a factor. Yeah. But when you have a connection, it's like, yeah, you deal. Yes. <sighs> So you are a university professor in Korea, mm-hmm. and you also co-own and run mm. a sex toy store in mm-hmm. Seoul with your wife. Before that, mm-hmm. before you came to Korea and decided to do all of this, um, who were you? Where were you? What did you do? <laughs> oh, I did a little bit of everything. I, when I tell people where I'm from, I almost always say Colorado, even though that's technically not true. I was born in Indiana. Mm. I stayed there until I was 10. And then I moved to Colorado. I claim Colorado because I did all my higher level education there. So I went, you know, mm-hmm. middle school, high school, university was in Colorado. And my mother is there. So when I think home, I generally speaking think where my mother is. Right. And since that's Colorado... That's what I say. Yeah. But of course, I've lived in multiple other places. So I also lived in Massachusetts. I lived in South Carolina, back to Colorado, all this before I came to Korea, but after I graduated high school. Mm. And job wise, I've done a lot of things from teaching. I taught sixth grade math (laughs) for a while, which I'm just going to tell you right now, I strongly don't recommend that career. Uh, To be honest, I'm not really big on recommending education as a career at all. (laughs) Really, don't go into this career. Like, you have to really, really want to be an educator. Otherwise, do something Mm -hmm. else. Valid. For sure. I mean, I like it. And I occasionally go, wow, what was I thinking? (laughs) So anyways, Mm. yeah. You are pretty passionate about your job. I'm really passionate about my work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I have I have a PhD in lifelong education. 
I really care yeah. about education. But again. <laughs> but again, there yeah, are just those days. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. You're a doctor. I, I Dr. Am. Slick. This is your actual real name. Yeah, it really is. It sounds, though, like, is there such thing as a super villain? It sounds like a super villain name, Dr. Slick. That's exactly what I think, Dr. Sherry Slick. Yeah, right? Yeah, SS for short. Yeah, Yeah, you're like, hmm. I know. My mother, she told me once that she didn't like her married name that much because her first name Uh is Shirley. Okay. And so she says, when you say it together, Shirley Slick, it sounds like... Betty Boop, this old Mm. cartoon character. And she goes, yeah, I don't like the connection that it sounds so similar to Betty Boop. And I said, thanks a lot, Mom, for the name Sherry Slick. (laughs) A little similar to Betty Boop, but, you know. Yeah, that's the train of thought that led her to name you (laughs) Sherry Slick. (laughs) I know. Thanks, Mom. Uh, Parents. I know. Oh, what else did I do? One of my favorite and most helpful jobs was being a handyman's assistant. Mm. I did that for three years when I was in high school. From 15 to 18, I worked every weekend during the school year and all the time on vacations with this man who I still stay in contact with. I love him. Oh, Oh, he's great. Yeah. And I met him at a gay and lesbian youth group in my city. Uh, It was an extremely Mm. small group, a handful of people, because in the entire city, there were only a handful of young people that knew that they were gay and were able to get to a meeting like this, right? Of course, yeah. Yeah. This is in the 80s, 70s? It's in the very early 90s. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) Very early 90s. Yeah, Yeah. when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah. And so, again, as I mentioned, I'm from Colorado, and I'm specifically from Colorado Springs, which even to Mm. this day is one of the most conservative areas in the country. Uh, There are a lot of religious organizations headquartered in Colorado Springs, including Focus on the Family, a really enormous Christian organization. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the late 1980s, they were coming into Colorado and there's also a lot of military bases. And honestly, when you get a lot of Mm -hmm. military people, uh, you also tend to make the location a little bit more conservative. And people like Colorado Springs. And so people would come back when they retired from the military, they would come back to Colorado Springs. So we have a very strong military personnel with conservative Christian. Those communities are very strong in Colorado Springs. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. That sounds lovely. Oh, God. It was, so... <laughs> it was awful. Like, sometimes even mm. now... I'm thinking back to how much fear I had in my life. And it's very interesting Mm. because I want to say my home life was very secure, but it also wasn't. Mm. Rather than having the threat from being inside my home, the threat was external to my home facing towards my family. Mm, Homophobia. Homophobia, yeah. Uh, The reason, I guess I should mention why a small child would be afraid of homophobia, because most children do not know that they are... Queer. uh, Queer, yeah. It was the fact that my mother was also a lesbian. Mm -hmm. My mother was married initially to my father. And Mm. uh, when she realized that she was queer, they got a divorce. And that is actually a big part of why we moved 
to Colorado. So for me, it right. was an issue of all the time. Oh, and, oh, wow. And my mother was a teacher. Mm. And a lot of people don't know this, but even today, there can be what's called a morality clause in your contract mm-hmm. as a public school teacher. And if they find they, meaning the bosses, the board of education, for example, mm. if they find out that you have done something that they disagree with, they will fire you under the morality clause. And at that time, particularly during that time, homosexuality was against the morality clause. Mm -hmm. So if anybody found out that my mother was gay, she certainly would have been fired. And then, of course, for me, it's a, well, then what do we do? And there was, of course, there was just so so many things going on, right? It wasn't just you can be fired. There was a lot of homophobia in the community at that time because people were, as it is suddenly, again, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of homosexuals are grooming children. They're all going to grow up to be queer. They're trying to do these terrible things to children. And so there was just all of this anti-queer hate everywhere. There were billboards Mm -hmm. put up. There were giant full page ads in the newspaper about how awful queer people were. There was violence, a lot of violence, physical violence against queer people. And so I realized Mm -hmm. at the time, now looking back, how terrified I was all the time. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I never had friends come over to the house or I'd have like one friend. I had one friend that used to come over because she would never say anything, mm-hmm. right, to other people. About your mom? About my mom, yeah. And so, of course, my mother wasn't telling people, like, she would never look at my friend and be like, oh, by the way, I'm a lesbian. No, never. But even mm-hmm. somebody coming into the house and saying, oh, that's interesting. Two women live here. Two adult women live in this house. That alone would have been enough to get her fired. Yeah, because your mom had a romantic partner at that time. Yeah, who interestingly was also a teacher. Mm. And so we knew like if this information comes out, there will be no career for anybody in this house, you know, no income. We are at risk of violence from our neighbors, strangers. It was just, it was a very scary time. You know, people were getting Mm. injured on the streets and um, there was a political move at that time to pass an amendment to the state constitution that legalized discrimination against gay people. And it passed. It passed. And see, that's the other thing. That was also scary. It wasn't just the fact that somebody proposed this amendment to the constitution. It's the fact that the majority of Coloradans thought, yes, we should be allowed to discriminate against gay people whenever we want. That's terrifying. It it was. I can't imagine... Yeah. That case actually ended up having a stay, right? They went through the courts and they they stopped it. And by the time it got through to the Supreme Court, it was declared unconstitutional. But that was a long period mm-hmm. of time, you know. And to be honest, those groups are still trying, right? Still trying to get those mm-hmm. things. We see it now all mm-hmm. over the country, especially as people are uh, writing these anti-trans laws. Yeah, A lot of their tactics started in Colorado. That was like their Mm. test group back in the the late 80s, the very early 90s to see what kind of commercials motivated people, what kind of rhetoric would encourage people to think the way that they thought. 
And so that was the era where I grew up. My most formative years. Yeah, like all the way up to like your... How long did you live there? Oh, on and off from when I was 10 to about 26, 27 before I came to Korea. When I came to Korea, it was from Colorado. But even now, there are still people are like, oh, Colorado, it's so it's so liberal. You know, they vote blue and all the No, no. To be fair, Denver is. Boulder is. There are certain parts of the state that are very liberal. And because they have a large population center, Colorado votes blue. Mm. But I wasn't from those places. I'm from Colorado Springs. And so even now, Colorado Springs is super red. And so it's only because of where people live, uh, how many liberal people live in our big population centers. That's why Colorado votes a particular way. If it wasn't so densely populated in those areas, it would certainly be a red state and a very, very, very Mm -hmm. red state. Yes, you were telling me that you regularly go back and visit your Mm -hmm. mom, family uh, with your wife. Mm-hmm. And you were saying that even last year, yeah. you saw a billboard? Yeah, there was a billboard up with all these anti-gay slogans on it. Yeah. Like what? What did it say? This is going to be very triggering. So content warning. To be honest, I can't tell you. I remember looking at it and being so shocked to see it. Mm. But then I promptly put the specifics out of my mind. Right. See, even for me, that's one of those things that I'm like, wow, that's hateful. But I don't need to dwell on it. I am shocked that it exists. I am shocked that it exists in this place at this time. But I'm also yeah. not going to keep thinking about it. That doesn't do me any good. <laughs> and so uh, mm-hmm. for me, if I was going to spend time thinking about something, I'm going to think about all the ways that I can fix things. I don't want to dwell on all the negative things that exist because I would never be able to come up for air. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So when you were still living in Colorado, you're a teenager, mm. and you you told me that you had this experience that made you realize that, mm-hmm. oh, 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 I'm gay. Yeah. And then that led to all this other stuff until now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness for yeah. that one little, like, you you push the domino and they all just mm. go. Thank goodness that led me to here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So here's the crazy thing. And that is just because you are in a very queer friendly family, which I was, right? <laughs> My mom is a lesbian, right? Mm-hmm. Just because you're in a queer friendly family doesn't make it any, it doesn't make it any easier, necessarily it's not harder it's not harder but it doesn't necessarily make it easy to accept who you are Mm -hmm. as a person so yes honestly when I was young I didn't really think about my sexuality Mm -hmm. for me it's like it kind of always existed right who I am like when I was a very little child you know first grade six years old running around on the playground uh at school Mm -hmm. I would run around and kiss this other little girl, uh, my neighbor. She didn't really mind, so it was fine. We're all good. I was six. But I didn't really ever think that maybe the other little girls were not doing that. They Mm -hmm. were not. (laughs) Just (laughs) the secret is they weren't doing that. Um, And Mm -hmm. so for me, it was just that's just always the way I was. But then as I grew up, again, I wasn't really 
thinking about sexuality. Even when I was in, you know, started puberty, I still just wasn't really thinking about sex related things at all. So mm. I never even considered my own sexuality, right? Whether I was gay or straight, didn't think about it until mm -hmm. one day I did, right? And that one day came about when I was 14. So for me, I was in my first year of high school and I had actually flown back to visit my father. He didn't live in Colorado. And so I was there and I had gone on a trip to the mall as all American teenagers <laughs> do. Mm -hmm. Very American. Yeah, very American, right? So while I was there, I saw this girl there who was so cute and I ended up kissing this girl uh and then okay <laughs> you're like how do you Wait, fall you into like somebody's went lips up and kissed her no, yeah. no we were chatting and we were chatting. okay yeah did you kiss inside the mall inside a store in the mall yes oh Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm very curious about the details. Like, was she working there? She was working there. Was she just? <laughs> yes. Okay. And you were just, you just chatted her up and then you kissed? Yes. Which you I'm had like, great game. No, to be honest, it would be better to say she kissed me and then taught me that okay. I have game. <laughs> this is how you play. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So interesting. Yeah. All right. Very surprising. And. I then mm -hmm. kind of ran away, right? I was a little bit surprised. I was not mad. It was not bad. But then, you know, your brain catches it up. It was not bad. was not bad. No. So it was, it, was not, it was not a bad kiss. No, not at it all. It was just surprising. Not even surprising. It's more like suddenly the weight of that action hits you, mm -hmm. right? It's not that it was okay. bad. It was more the issue of, oh... That was nice. <laughs> that was very mm -hmm. nice. I really enjoyed that. Oh, no. Uh, you know, what does this mean? And so, I, you know, I left. And then I got home and I was thinking about this. And I was like, I really like that. And now I'm thinking about this person, like, nonstop. And I was suddenly terrified because it meant that I was a lesbian, right? It meant that I was a homosexual. Mm -hmm. And I did not have bad feelings about homosexuals, right? That's the funny thing. My mother is a lesbian. I have a, a gay uncle, right? All of those things mm. were fine. But then when I applied it to myself, I, I could barely breathe, right? It was so mm. shocking and probably shocking again only to me. I am guessing. Uh, my mother told me. <laughs> I've seen pictures of you. Right. Uh, as, a, as a child, teenager. And yeah, even your wife nowadays likes to say, how did she not know that she, she was gay? Know? Yeah, not that, you know, gender expression comes in all forms, shapes, sizes. <laughs> uh, and just because you present one way does not mean that your orientation automatically is going to present a certain way. However, it makes so much sense now, you know. Yes. You're like, there might Looking be a little back, bit of correlation. A little bit of a correlation. A little bit. Yeah, like even my mom has told me, oh, I looked at you when you were running around and you're two years old. And I thought to myself, mm, her father's not going to be happy about this one day. <laughs> <laughs> Which my dad is fine. He's always fine. But, you know, that was in the 70s. Mm. 
And so she was like, yeah, he's probably not going to be happy. But anyway, so like my mom pegged me when I was two. She was like, she knew. Mm-hmm. Oh, that kid's going to be Is that when you're gay. running around and kissing girls? No, that's, that's that was, like I when was you're six. five or six then. And, but, but she just knew when you were two. Yeah, I was a very rough and tumble little kid and didn't act like any of my little cousins, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So she was like, hmm, one of these kids is not like the others. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember like that night I could just I just could not breathe. I could not. I was panicking. Right. It was, oh, mm-hmm. no, this thing that is so hard in our life already you know, keeping secrets. Nobody can come to my house because my mom's a lesbian. And she's living with her partner. And she's living with her partner in this terrible, terrible conservative place. And kids, other kids at school are always saying terrible things about gay people. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, no, I'm now going to fall into this category of most hated Mm. people. Uh, And I was not very thrilled about that. But to be honest, I I got over it pretty quickly because, again, I'm not one of those people that really likes to dwell on all the negative things. So by the the next day, I was like, all right, you just have to acknowledge the fact that this is the way it is. And you're just Uh going to do the best you can going forward. So... I didn't sleep that whole night, but by the next morning, mm. I was like, this is just the way it is. I had never thought about it before, but this is my life. I'm going to accept it, and then I'm going to move forward. Mm-hmm. And that worked. Oh, that's great. It, it did work pretty um, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does sound on brand for you. You're like, oh, I was a little bit disturbed or annoyed or sad for a minute. And terrified. then I decided I was, that I wasn't going to. Yeah, I was actually oh, terrified. I'm talking about other things. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm sure. Mm. Um, I think that is actually a common thread in whenever, you know, my queer friends and I talk about our first dawning of understanding of our mm. own queerness, especially, I think, pertaining to parts that are visible mm. externally, you know, like if you're attracted to like people of the same gender or... You know, like me, if Mm. you're trans and you feel Mm. like you need to medically transition, something that other people can see about you, Mm -mm -mm. uh, your orientation, your identity. I think a lot of the times the first thing we feel, no matter like (laughs) where you grew up or what your family is like or when you grew up, Mm. I think fear is a very common thing that just comes up. Yeah. Um, but especially for you, growing up in that environment at that time, even with your family condition, mm. um, I can't, yeah, that's, it sounds horrible. But then you're like, you know what? This is how it is. Mm. <laughs> uh, let me figure this out. Um, mm. Just before we move on to the next part, mm. can I just ask... And if you're comfortable describing it, of course. But the kiss, I just need to know how that happened. Just as, like, a gray sexual, gray romantic person, I don't know how people just, like, meet, and then that's what happens. What happened in between your walking into the mall and then kissing this girl and then running away? (laughs) Boy, when you put it like that. Um, (laughs) You know? So romantic. So romantic. You know, the funny thing is, 
I don't remember much about it. See, I've blocked out all of like my bad, terrible things, the really bad things I've blocked out, but it turns out some of the things that were also kind of stressful, I just don't remember very well either. And that moment was very stressful. Uh, so I don't have a lot of details. I remember it was a shoe store, which also I love shoes. No surprise. You know, lesbians want athletic shoes, don't they? Ha 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 ha. Just kidding. Um, so it was this shoe store, but they had clothes and stuff also because I remember the racks of clothing. Uh, and then this other young woman in there, right? That's one of the workers. And What's funny is I don't remember talking to her, but I know we did. We were talking. Don't have any mm -hmm. idea what we were talking about. I assume it must have been shoes and clothing, but who knows? Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like she asked me if I was gay. Wow. Well, I mean, it's Forward? better to do that before you, you know, That's true. kiss some <laughs> random person, which means, and the, the funny thing is, I don't remember what I said. Oh, okay. Although I assume the answer must have been yes, because if I had said no, she probably wouldn't have kissed me, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. then she pulled me off to a side. So I was kind mm -hmm. of behind a rack of clothing. And my guess is now that that was a place that was off camera, that she probably thought right. it was not on the security cameras. Mm -hmm. And we kissed. It was a nice kiss. And then I ended up leaving. I got to go. <laughs> oh, left. you're just like, oh, I got to go. Like yeah. right after? Uh, yeah, Aww. pretty quick. Yeah, actually, pretty quickly after. And Aww. then I didn't really, I saw her once more because I was at my father's house. Mm -hmm. Visiting. Yeah, I was only visiting. And I was too young to drive. So it's not even like I could drive myself over to see her. So I saw her once more just briefly and then never mm. saw her again. Oh. Oh, yes. Do you think you would like... If you ever met this woman again, right? And oh. you recognize her, she recognized you. How do you think that interaction would go? I'd probably laugh. <laughs> By the way, thanks for that. It was great. Kind of an evening of torment yeah. in my mind after that. But it really cleared <laughs> things up for me. <laughs> right? It really did clear things Wonderful. up. Wonderful. Yeah, you started yeah. on a nice road to queerdom. It worked out. Thanks for that. I mean, we all need these people. Yeah, right? you need somebody to give you a little kick in the <laughs> pants every now and again. That yeah. was it. Yeah. All right. So you came to terms with that. I did. What yeah. happened next? Uh, then eventually, you know, I went back home and I started my high school career. And one thing I did notice, though, once I realized that I was, you know, queer, it became even more noticeable how much homophobia surrounded me, uh, my, my life. Right. And so school was a little bit challenging. Uh, so I went to a mm -hmm. school with, I don't know, maybe 1,200 students, and I didn't know any other gay students for quite a long time. Um, so my whole first year, I didn't know any. And then in my second mm -hmm. year, my neighbor came down to visit me to my house, who I'd known since like grade six. And she says, hey, okay. Somebody asked if you're a lesbian. Uh, and what a weird thing to ask. <laughs> I know. What a weird thing to say. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Did you bring me any cookies? Yeah. <laughs> hey. Yeah, this, this person asked me if you're a lesbian. And I said, why? 
<laughs> Why did somebody ask you that? And this has a valid question. Right? I'm like, that's so out of the blue. That's the only appropriate thing to say in that situation. Uh, yeah. And she's, oh, uh, this person uh, I think is interested in you. Ooh, oh, okay. Yeah. And I said, then the next important question, well, what did you say? Now, of course, <laughs> nobody knew, right? So yeah. I hadn't told anybody. And so she goes, I, I told her, no, no, you aren't. Isn't that the right answer? And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I didn't really say if it was the right answer or not, right? I just mm -hmm. said, oh, okay. But then... I was like, I'm going to find this person. <laughs> I am going yeah. to find this person. And I did. Uh, and it turns out that this this girl, this young woman, was a senior in school. So in her final year of school. Mm -hmm. And I was a sophomore at the time, so 15. Since she was in her last year of school, the she would have either been 17 or 18. Right? Kind of depends on when your birthday falls. And she was okay. in the same grade as my older brother. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of knew a lot of those kids just because of same grade as my brother. Although the funny thing was, after I had gotten to know this girl a little bit, we were walking to one of my classes once. And she says to me, I think your last name is so interesting. And I said, oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. She goes, but what's weird is I've never heard the last name Slick before, mm -hmm. but... Then I meet you and we have two slicks in this school and they're not related. Like, how do you have people with a name that unusual and they're not related? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, yeah, we have a B slick <laughs> in my grade. And I'm like, we are related. That's my brother. And she goes, what? They started going to school together in seventh grade. He has been telling us he's been an only child the entire time I've known him. <laughs> wow. What I even know. is that? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, we did not have a strong familial connection. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're not chosen family. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah, he, he would pretend that he didn't even know me in school. So when I was being kind of tortured by the other students, like sometimes they'd be pushing me around or spitting on me, things like this in school. And my brother would just look on. He would not. Crap. Yeah, he wouldn't try to protect me, wouldn't try to do anything. He'd just be like, oh, that weird kid is getting picked on. Oh, well. So, yeah. And wow. so I was like, what? I remember that. So she was the one that told me my brother has been claiming he's an only child his whole okay. career. Uh, that's pretty, Delulu. Yeah, um, right? Why were you bullied? Not that there's any good reason for being bullied. I know, but I mean, I was bullied because I look the way I look, right? Especially at the time. I mean, I did not look like a standard issue girl, shall we say. You know, I, I looked mm. pretty butch. Uh, and so the other students spent a lot of time bullying me because of that. And of course, they would, you know, they would use homophobic slurs and things like that towards me. Mm. That was a little bit challenging. I mean, that was very challenging for me, uh, both the physical threat and the emotional drain, really, of getting yeah. all of these comments all the time. And as I told you, for example, in the, my second year of high school, when I was meeting this girl, that was also the same year that that amendment to the Constitution passed, mm -hmm. where voters in Colorado decided to 
change the state constitution that would allow discrimination towards gay people. In what way, can I ask? Sure, in every way. So basically, it it put into the state constitution that it was okay to fire people for being gay. It was okay to kick people out of their right. homes for being gay. It was okay to take their children away from them because they are gay. Uh, but more importantly, right, that stuff still happens. Mm-hmm. You can still do that, mm-hmm. even now in many places in the States. But what it really wrote into the Constitution was you're not allowed to seek redress through the court system. What? Yeah, that was the terrifying part. So, for example, if I get fired for being gay, I could file a lawsuit against my employer. Now, I may win, I may not win, right? Depends on the laws. But the way the amendment changed the Constitution in Colorado to, to say that you were not allowed to even file the complaint. It just basically was open season, right? That's that's what it was. Yeah. It was open season for for uh, the LGBTQ community because there was even yeah. if something wrong happened to you, you couldn't complain. There was no way to do that. Ultimately, uh, that amendment was overturned. It was declared unconstitutional at the federal level, so it couldn't be enforced mm-hmm. in Colorado. But, you know, that doesn't take the problem away. The problem is that such a huge percentage of the population thought that that was okay to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so just because a court says, yeah, that's not okay, doesn't immediately change people's beliefs. Mm -hmm. So during that time, for for me, I, I appreciate my mother. She allowed me to participate in the politics at the time. Uh, I went to a lot of campaign events. I was out there. Mm. My mom took me out of school on voting day. She didn't force me to. She asked me if I wanted to. Yeah. And I said, well, yeah, of course. And I stood outside a polling place handing out flyers. Vote no on to. Vote no on to. Vote no on to. Right. I We did a lot of campaigning, uh, it, which was, for me, a very good learning experience. But also, mm-hmm. you know, you you realize some of these ideas that people have, your neighbors, right? Your neighbors, you understand the ideas that they have. So maybe, you know, in our, our house, here's my house with, with my gay moms. And then the next Mm -hmm. door, both sides have signs in their front yard that say vote yes on amendment two, which means those Mm -hmm. people thought it would be fine if the government came to take their children away. And my family, take me away from my family, they thought it would be fine if my parents got fired from their jobs, mm. right? They thought those things yeah. were okay. So it was a very eye-opening experience for me. And after the amendment passed, yeah. it, of course, got much, much worse, right? So all of those students at mm. my school whose parents were also very actively campaigning on the other side, they would literally, they mm. came to me like the next day. They didn't even know that I was queer. They're like, the homosexuals are going to hell. And look, everybody agrees. Homosexuals are awful kind of stuff. And mm. for me, it was... Wow. Yeah, it was very challenging. Politically, it was a very challenging time. And also, you're a kid. I was a kid. Yeah, I was just a kid. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, at that same time, I was meeting this other queer student at school. Mm -hmm. 
who was interested in you, potentially. She was, yes, she was. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. And so that was a very joyful time for me. Although it was also my very first mm-hmm. heartbreak, right? After a while, we kind of drifted apart. But, you know, one of the things she did was she introduced me to a gay and lesbian youth group in the city. She took me there and there was just a handful of kids. You know, I would say like on a good day, there were like eight kids there Mm. and from all over the city, (laughs) you know. So that's not a very strong percentage, (laughs) really. Yeah. (laughs) But it was a place to go and meet other queer kids and see see that you're not the only person. And that was also mm-hmm. a joy, right? And mm-hmm. the funny thing is, shortly after that, she and I kind of drifted apart and she didn't really ever come back to the youth group. But of course, she was older than I was and she had a whole different friend set and was going off to college sure. and all of these kind of things. So it doesn't surprise me that we drifted apart. But I was actually, and I'm still super thankful to her for kind of delivering me into the hands of these other queer kids. Mm -hmm. She introduced me to people I really needed to know at that time. So I'm thankful to her all the time. I should send her a message someday that says that. We don't talk, (laughs) but... Do you have a contact? I think I do, yeah. Somewhere, I think I have it. Yeah, some people really do come into our lives to like deliver us to places that we need to be at. Yeah, that's actually how I, I view her very much. And so I, yeah. I made some really great friends in that youth group. And I met Ken. Ken owned his own handyman company. He was a handyman. And he was in the youth group mm-hmm. and he asked, he was like, hey, do any of you boys want to come work for me? Do you need a job? I know it's hard for gay kids sometimes to find a job. And yeah. if you work for me, you can, of course, be gay because I'm also gay and I don't mind. And, you know, you can learn some <laughs> skills, you know, how to take care of your lives and all this. But it's pretty hard work and not... Not a single boy said, yes, I would like to do that. Really? Yeah. But at the end of this particular meeting where he had mentioned it, I came up to him and I said, I'd really like to have a job. I need a job. And I think that this sounds exciting and fun. And he goes, hmm, I've never actually had a girl work for me. It's really, really hard work. And I said, Mm. I'm a really hard worker. Which you are. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. I I am. He's right. And he goes, "Hmm, okay, come work with me this weekend and we'll see how it goes. I said, okay. And I went to work with him. And that particular weekend, he was working on a pastor's house. Oh, wow. The pastor of the MCC Church in Colorado Springs. So it's a metropolitan Mm -hmm. community church and it is a queer church. Mm-hmm. So I remember we were building a fence, like a six foot mm-hmm. tall privacy fence made from wood. And so we were digging all of these post holes and then you'd mm-hmm. set the posts in them and pour concrete. So he right. had told me to go pick up all this concrete into a wheelbarrow and bring it down to him. So it's in these big, heavy, like 80 pounds a bag of concrete. And I loaded a bunch of them. And I'm trying to bring it down. And as I make a turn, it's too heavy and the wheelbarrow falls over. And the bags of concrete spill out onto the ground, but they're so heavy that when they hit the ground, they broke open. Yeah, for uh, for people who are not Americans, 40 pounds is like, did you say 40 pounds? Each bag was 80 pounds. So that was, it's close to 40 40 kilos, kilos. kilograms. Yeah, 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 that's pretty heavy. Yeah, and there was, I don't know, 
how many kilo? Okay, now I have to do the conversions. There must have been four or five of those bags in the wheelbarrow. So it was pretty heavy for me. <laughs> That's like 200 kilos. Yeah. Yeah, it was like 200 kilos. I was moving bodies in that thing. Like it was heavy. And when they mm. hit the ground, you know, and the bags break open and I'm looking at all of this concrete powder and my <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is how I'm going to get fired on like my first day. Mm. we've all been there right we've all been yeah. there he comes walking up and he looks at the concrete on the ground and he looks at me and i'm like staring at him with these big giant eyes like oh no and he goes must have been a little too heavy huh i said yes and he just grabbed a shovel and he goes go grab that shovel and we just scrape the powder and put it back into the wheelbarrow you know and mm. he picked up the wheelbarrow and pushed it the rest of the way but in my mind i'm like yep, yeah that's it I'm done. And at the end of the weekend, yeah. he goes, uh, so yeah, you know, you're really not as strong as all the boys I'm used to working with, but you're real fast and you try really hard. So I think it's going to work out. I'll just have to remember you're not as strong as some of those other guys. <laughs> and I'm like, awesome. And I ended up working with him for the next three years. Mm. I still talk to him. <laughs> he's still mm. lovely and I'm super thankful to him because he was also he's a gay man in the queer community yeah. and so he would take me out to lunch he'd buy my lunch when we were working and he'd take me to some queer restaurant that I didn't know about you know and he'd I'd meet all these people so with my mom I was meeting all of these political activists right that kind of yeah. my mom's side and with Ken's side I'm meeting all of these older gay men Mm. Some of them, you know, were like these drag queens at night and all of these things. So I'm meeting all of these really interesting people in the community. Uh, not to mention, yeah. this was the very early 90s. And mm. a lot of these men were really struggling with the AIDS mm -hmm. epidemic. And yeah. the community that he introduced me to during that time was just constantly in mourning, right? Because so mm -hmm. many of these men had died from AIDS. Yeah. There was no real effective treatment at that point. And mm. so just man after man after man, right? These gay men were dying. And so it also gave me a very different perspective from what I was getting in other places. And yeah. it gave me an ability to talk about some of those real community sadnesses, right? This kind of community mm -hmm. trauma that I might not yeah, otherwise yeah. have been able to develop that skill of speaking of these traumatic events and considering with empathy what another person is going through. So I'm, I'm thankful to him on so many levels, really. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. So I'm just taking it all in. Mm. It, was, it was a different time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember you telling me these things because we've known each other for quite a long time and we've spent so many hours sitting on your couch <laughs> with the dogs and the cats. Yeah. And you will just tell us this stuff, you know, in bits and pieces, mm. but to hear it in a more linear, linear way with mm. the context of everything. Yeah, it's heavy, heavy stuff. And it also makes so much sense mm. of the way you are and the way your partner is and mm. i feel your place in the community that we are in now mm. wow like thank you for thank you for sharing that sure. hello 
It's Jay from the future here, with a slightly lower voice from being a gender-affirming hormone therapy. Just to let you know that though my conversation with Sherry is far from over, the second half of our talk will continue in the next episode, which will be uploaded next week. The more of these interviews I do, the longer they seem to get, which I think is a good thing since that means there are many more stories to come. And because I think our conversations are worth hearing in full, instead of editing out chunks of our talks to fit them into a single episode, I've decided to upload the longer talks in two parts, so that you don't have to miss out on any of the interesting details from the lives of our amazing guests. So thank you for listening, and in the meantime, feel free to check out our social media page on Instagram, where you can find photos and playlists as well as other visually interesting materials that round out our coffee shop AU's AU. You can find us at the underscore coffee shop underscore au and if you want to reach out with thoughts stories and or comments you can dm us there or even email us our address is hi hi at the coffee shop we hope to hear from you take care and we'll see you back here next week bye